You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 87 of Take a Bow. I'm your host, Eli Tokash, and boy, what a week for Broadway it has been. Uh, There's so much that happened. I saw uh, Assassins, loved the show, loved uh, the performers in it. Judy, I mean, just the cast is insane. It's got Judy Kuhn, it's got Wesley Taylor, it's got Ethan Slater, Stephen Pasquale, um, Will Swenson. Uh, there's just so many uh, beautiful, beautiful performers, um, and they were fantastic. Um, but I don't know if the show itself was for me. Um, it was the first time I actually saw Assassins. I know that may be an unpopular opinion. I know that a lot of people uh, love Assassins. The music is incredible shocker because it was by Sondheim um but the show and the plot itself was just very interesting uh confusing at times um but I thought that um I I couldn't tell if it was like a true story or not and I still haven't found that out I'm trying to do some digging um maybe if you all know maybe you guys can shoot me a message um but it was just a very interesting plot for me, and I don't know if it was something that was up my alley um, with John Wilkes Booth kind of just um, creating a group of assassins to assassinate the president. Um, I don't know. I found it all kind of like crazy, um, for lack of a better word, in in a good way. I mean, I, I enjoyed the show, but it wasn't my favorite Um and I, uh, I, I don't know. Like again, I think that everyone that was doing the show that performed was just fantastic. I mean, they all had their moments of, of their, of stage time, I guess. Um, and their the spotlight. You know, they were all singing. They all had their monologues. They all had different times where they were able to shine. And I really liked that it was like a true ensemble piece. Um, however, just like the plot and everything itself, I was just like, this is not like i don't know uh but anyways it's a classic stage company um if any of you are interested i'm sure some of you know assassins already so if you're interested in go seeing that go see it um i recommend it i'm just letting you all know i'm i don't mean to sound like i i just didn't like it i enjoyed the show a lot actually i just that I wouldn't say it was one of my favorites, and you know, I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time. I love theater, so I enjoy all any trip to the theater that I get, um, and I always will support uh, other performers and works of art and everything. So, um, if you are interested in that type of show, if you heard about it or whatever, 
uh, go see it. And it's totally for someone who's totally into like politics and everything like that. Um, if that's kind of what you like, it's also all of this happened before my time. So some of it, I just like didn't understand. Um, and maybe that could have been like the generational gap could have been a possibility of why I could, didn't com- uh, completely understand it to the fullest. Um, Cause there were people in the theater that were just like loving it. And uh, I, they were just cracking up at parts that I necessarily wasn't laughing at. Um, and then, you know, just like random things here and there. And um, n- needless to say, of course, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. And uh, if you enjoy uh, Assassins and you enjoy, honestly, if you enjoy these actors that are in it, because that's kind of why I went and that's kind of why I enjoyed the show as much as I did was because of the people that were in it. And some of them who have been take about guests, Ethan Slater and Judy Kuhn. Um, So I I recommend seeing it. Go get a shot. Uh, It's at Classic Stage Company. And uh, it's definitely worth going to see and checking out um again with a stellar cast and uh yeah i don't know it's one to see if you're in the city and it's still going so uh go see it there's a there's a lot of other things that have happened this week here and uh one more thing that i saw and hopefully a lot of the broadway community was able to see um we had a broadway um celebrity i guess you could say uh host snl this past week and uh, that was Ariana DeBose. If you all listened to last week's episode, I kind of give you all a heads up. But uh, now that we're we're past it and we saw it, I just want to talk about it because I thought it was awesome. You know, there there the opening monologue was fantastic. Her and Kate McKinnon killed it. Um, it was so fun to see. It was so cool to see once again. You know, Broadway getting that type of recognition up on a stage such as SNL, you know, that certainly doesn't happen a lot. And if it does, you know, sometimes it, it's uh, in a comedic way where they're making fun. Um, so it was cool to see them in a, in a celebratory way, the way that Ariana kind of presented itself uh, in the opening monologue. And uh, they also did a skit later on in the, the episode. Um from the sound of music and they kind of did like a little spin off there. Um it was great stuff. I I honestly thought it was one of the better SNL shows uh Broadway podcast network was doing a live tweet. Um and and so that was fun just following along with that and and uh chiming in with other Broadway folks and listeners of the podcast. Uh, it was great to talk to all of them. Congratulations to Ariana. You did a fantastic job hosting. There's also one more thing that you should catch um before next week or just like in general um whenever you have time everyone needs to watch pbs's reopening the broadway revival documentary um this documentary features behind the scenes access to shows including wicked jagged little pill uh phantom of the opera diana come from away waitress aladdin and more they, obviously all of the production shut down through the pandemic and now they kind of filmed the reunion of the cast joining um, the show or coming together again and revisiting the piece and restage um, all the things and, uh, you know, up until their long anticipated opening nights uh, or reopening nights for that for that uh, special occasion. Um, it's awesome. It's all the behind the scenes look that you want to, you want as a fan and you want to see, and you, it puts you in a rehearsal room. It puts you in all these things. It's got interviews with your favorite Broadway stars. It's got all of these incredible things that you're just like, Oh my God, it's all, it's like an all in one thing. So that's on PBS. 
Uh, it's a complete documentary. Once again, it's called Reopening the Broadway Revival. Um, it's awesome. I highly recommend watching it. Another fun thing that was able we were able to celebrate this week was actually came yesterday, if you're listening to this on Thursday, which is when this show drops, uh, was National Swing Day uh, for the Broadway community and for uh, the performing arts community as a whole, uh, or equity community and all the things. Um, this is the seventh annual Swing Day, and we're celebrating swings. And you know what? That leads us into a perfect segue to introduce our guest this week. We're not going to throw it over to him yet. We have Tally Sessions on the show today, and Tally has been in eight Broadway shows. Eight Broadway shows. He's done so much, and he has been uh, – he is a swing and understudy veteran. Uh, he's been in multiple shows where he's had to do swing work and understudy work, and uh, that whole uh, – the whole episode – isn't really about like it is about his career and we talk a lot about him and everything like that it's a great episode it's got a lot of stuff into it but a lot of it is focused around um swing work and understudy work um and i thought this was a perfect week to um to release this episode as it was swing day just yesterday on wednesday january 19th um to celebrate our swings and to celebrate everyone involved in the industry that is uh putting in some countless effort uh countless time and effort blood sweat and tear uh all the things honestly i truly believe that uh when doing a casting call it's like who was the most talented in the room that's our swing like i feel like the swing is without a doubt the most um organized but also the most talented uh person on the stage because they have to be so versatile and they have to do completely different things on completely different nights and they've got to keep track of that and they got to stay organized and um it's just it's it's mind-boggling um i couldn't imagine doing what they do uh tally and i talk a lot about it and you'll hear it just i mean the stuff that he talks about that you're just like oh my god holy cow like Props to you. You deserve all of the praise that uh, you have been receiving and attention uh, the Swings have been getting recently and their amazing efforts in keeping Broadway open. Um, and he talks a lot about that and what company is doing through this COVID thing. It's unlike any. It's unlike what any other show is doing. So uh, it's some good stuff. So stay tuned in a little bit. We're gonna throw it over in a second. There's just a couple more things that I want to announce. There's actually three more things to to be exact. Um, as I've mentioned the past couple weeks, I've noticed that, or I've mentioned that a lot of shows are closing. We had three just last week um or on sunday uh so not even a full week ago um so but that being said i have been saying that all good things come to an end and it brings a new chapter to broadway and it brings new art and everything involved so i'm i'm happy to announce that we have some um that we've they've made some announcement of some of the new shows that will be coming very shortly uh we have the kite runner which is which was the book, you know, the it's a very famous book, and that'll play uh, July sixth through the October thirtieth, twenty twenty two, at the Hayes Theater, and that is going to be a limited engagement, as I said, July sixth through October thirtieth. So it's just like a seventeen week kind of thing, and then we have uh, a strange loop, which will begin previews at the Lyceum Theater on April sixth. And opening night will be April 26th with no, uh, with an open run, 
which means there will not be it will not be a limited engagement and they will not set a closing date yet um they will see how it goes they'll see how the ticket sales are going and hopefully they can have a long wonderful run uh because that story is just fantastic and it needs to be on broadway and i cannot wait to go see both of these shows um when it comes to broadway so check those out a strange loop is coming first april uh not too far away at the lyceum theater and then kite runner will be at the hayes theater in july very exciting stuff, uh, and I'm sh- there's a lot more uh, rumors and stuff going around of uh, shows that are coming, but I don't want to drop any of those until they are announced uh, just because, you know, I don't want to interfere or, or ruin anything, but uh, keep your ears and eyes peeled uh, because, you know, there's going to be a lot of announcements coming with all of these open shows uh, or in, in open theaters and the vacancy. So um, just a, something to keep your eye out for. Um, exciting news uh, for Broadway and for the theater community. Uh, Governor Kathy Hochul proposes extended tax credit for commercial theater in New York. Um, she, in 2023, she will basically be doubling, well, she will be doubling the overall cap on the program uh, for theater in, our, in the industry of art. She will be doubling the overall cap on the program from $100 million to $200 million to provide one-time aid to eligible productions and revitalize tourism in New York. Um, so that's huge. That's huge for Broadway. That's huge for theater in general, and that's huge for the arts. Um, hopefully, a lot of these shows will be able to benefit from them. Obviously, that's a long time away and you know some of our favorite shows can be closed by then um you know two years a lot of time and with this virus i mean it's all unpredictable um i've been hearing a lot of rumors that some of the most favorite like our most favorite and beloved shows that have been on broadway for the past five plus years um are are in danger of closing um so Lots to lots to talk about here. Lots to lots to lots of work to be done. Um, and uh, hopefully this will help and um provide everyone a longer run and more stability for sure. Um, so thank you, uh, Governor Hochul. Um, that's huge. It's great news for uh Broadway. And uh, yeah, it's just uh it shows it continues to show the state support of our industry and uh. It really goes a long way, but there's still a lot of work to be done, and there's a lot more that needs to be done in order to keep this industry, uh, you know, thriving. So, um, yes. Anyways, one last thing before we turn it over to Tally. Um, Broadway, I have to mention this, Broadway dimmed the lights uh, of all the theaters on Broadway, uh, dimmed their lights on January 19th, just yesterday, Wednesday. Uh, in memory of Sidney Poitier. He, for those of you who don't know, he was the first black performer to win an Academy Award for Best Actor. Um, he was on Broadway a few times. He's directed some shows on Broadway. Um, he's just an incredible actor. He paved the way for a lot of uh, performers. And um, he's a very special person in in the Broadway community. And it's only right that they... Uh, give him such a a wonderful and special tribute by dimming the Broadway theaters uh, just before the shows. So, uh, Sydney, thank you for everything that you've done for the community and for Black artists all over the world. Um, it's truly incredible. And uh, your memory will will always live on on Broadway and, uh, and beyond. So, um, with that being said, let's turn it over to Tally Sessions. Tally Sessions, curtain up. <laughs> 
joining us this week is a seasoned Broadway veteran. He's been in eight Broadway shows, and you may just see him in Company on Broadway, where he is currently understudying Harry, Larry, Peter, and PJ. He is one of the true backbones of Broadway right now, and he's here to talk about his journeys through Broadway. So everyone, welcome to Take a Bow, Tally Sessions. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Oh my me, gosh, Eli. I'm so excited. Thank you so much for joining us. I mean, this has been one that I've been uh, very excited for for a while now. Um, I really wanted to talk to you, and I love uh, this new revival of Company that's coming out. I have not seen it yet, but I'm dying to see it. Um, you got to so, get yeah. there. Yeah, I, I really do. I want to see it with you, though. So uh, one of the days where I see that you post that you're on, I'll be there, man. Uh, but okay. I, want to I want to start and I want to ask you, um, you know, how this whole thing came to be where you wanted to be a performer. What inspired you to get into this industry? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good question. Uh, you know, I have a lot of friends that grew up doing it, and I did not have that experience, which is strange because my mother was a, a high school drama teacher, and that was one of the first times uh, I was on stage was when I was probably five. She threw me into one of her shows, my brother and I, um, but it didn't really catch hold of me. Um, I played a lot of sports, and I, the way I expressed myself as an artist initially as a very young person was I drew a lot. Oh. Um, and uh, Probably around the time I was in seventh grade, I figured out that I could sing and started taking, uh, uh, I, I took part in the, in the middle school chorus. Mm -hmm. And I think I did my first show. I know that I did plays when I was in elementary school, but the first show I remember auditioning for was in seventh grade. It was a production of the Electric Sunshine Man, yes. uh, which is the very, very famous uh, musical retelling of the story of Thomas Edison. Um, I auditioned for Thomas Edison, didn't get it. It went to an eighth grader, much to my chagrin. Um, but I did get the part of the patent maker and I had six lines and yes, I did jump. Um, yes. oh my but, God. uh, you know, I, when I, I went off to high school and I still sang in the, in the chorus and I, and I did plays with the theater department, but still, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. And I, uh, I don't know if that was sort of lack of exposure to possibility uh, or my own ignorance or still just sort of uh, growing and maturing. But it wasn't until I got to uh, college at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, uh, and I spent my whole first year not really learning what it was like to be on my own and have autonomy. And it wasn't until my beginning of my sophomore year, I was like, wait a minute, I started to feel like I was coming into who I was as a human, um, 
And I met people that were involved in a singing group on campus, and they were also involved in a musical theater troupe on campus, and they encouraged me to audition, and I did, and um, got into um, a show there, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Um, And it was then that I started to, uh, I I did not create this uh, idea, but I started to see, like, uh, other people who were like me, like, sort of find my tribe of weirdos, you know? and as I kept, I kept doing it, I realized, oh, wait, I'm finding my joy in performing. Like, that's where I feel most at home. Uh, I feel most at home around people who uh, express themselves as artists mm. um, and, and, they're, and, they're, and, you know, sort of fall in love with their own idiosyncrasies. And I, I just kept, kept doing that. I did it more and more. I would do like four plays a year in school and wanted to eventually change my major. Originally, I'd been on scholarship. Um, and was an English education major, and I changed my major to drama, major to drama, and um, just took every course I could. I also studied voice uh, as a uh, as a non major in the music department, and I remember I did a production of chess my junior year, and a classmate of mine saw it and said, "What do you?" I played the Russian. I don't know if you're familiar with chess, um, the Russian chess player Anatoly, and a classmate of mine. I'll never forget. His name was David Azarello. He came up to me afterwards. He said, what are you doing when you graduate? And I was like, I don't know. I have no idea. And he, he looked at me and said, are you kidding? You've got to do this. And it really only t- it took that one person actually like articulating it for me to go, wait, can I do this? Yeah. As, as, a, as a profession? Can I make a living doing it? I didn't know because I didn't have any role models, uh, right. anyone I knew that did it for a living. So I just started asking questions and investigating things and um, when I graduated, I went to summer stock and I got my equity card right after my senior year and I moved to New York and I hit the ground running. Yeah. And, you um, <laughs> it's, but, but when I say that, I mean, like I didn't work for the first uh, nine months of my time in New York, which isn't that long, Right. but I will never forget driving to New York from Chapel Hill, North Carolina unpacking my car, moving into my apartment. And the next day I didn't have an agent. You know, I, I knew people that I, with whom I graduated that had moved there. And I went to four auditions, like, you know, open calls or, mm-hmm. or equity principal auditions or course calls. They were all over the city. I come, came home that day and I was like, that was exhausting. <laughs> um, and I pretty much did that over and over and over, even when I had an agent um, for months and months and months. Wow. Um, yeah. That is one of the. That was a long-winded answer to a, to a short question. No, it, it's perfect because you know, like, oftentimes when I ask people, they're like, "Oh, you know, I saw a show and I was like, I want to do that." But it was interesting that, like, you know, you found that in within yourself. You know, like that's one of the coolest things. I haven't met like a lot of people that have had that experience, so I appreciate the long explanation. Oh, thanks. I remember there's one particular moment where I was like, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, if you've experienced this, I hope you have. I was doing a production of Passion in, mm. in college, Stephen Sondheim and James Lapine's Passion. And I, uh, it was with Max von Essen, if you know oh me and I were college classmates. Um, and I remember feeling, we had a wonderful director named Ted Schaffner. And I, it was the first time I was like, I felt and I actually felt an emotion mm. 
uh, and I was in the middle of a scene. Like I, I it wasn't me. I wasn't playing. Uh, and I'm not necessarily um, advocating like method acting, but it was the first time I was like, this is more powerful than I could have ever conceived. Yeah. Um, what it is to be an actor and what, what it can do for you and what it can do for, for others. Um, so that was when I was hooked. That was when I really became addicted. Yeah, it's so true. I feel like one of the coolest things is like, I feel like when you're an actor, the second you put on like, a costume like and it's just regular uh, like other clothes you know like is you yeah. just like immediately transform and it's like you totally become someone like you don't even know like it's totally yeah. not you it's one of the coolest experiences yeah. i wish i could describe it better but anyways i mean your story is insane i freaking love it and now here we are and you're on comp you're in company um talk mm -hmm. to me about this because i think that what you're doing in company as a swing understudy i mean you are incredible i mean power to you you deserve all of the accolades and all of the the um incur i don't know like all of the compliments and everything um what you're doing is so cool you're doing four tracks is that correct yes that's correct yes so, four tracks four roles yeah, and so what was the first one? I know you had a crazy story, and I want to talk about that with GMA. Was that your first mm -hmm. time uh, going on? In company, no. I went on for our sixth preview. It was a previously preview. scheduled – yeah, but it was – I will say it wasn't a last-minute thing. It was a previously scheduled absence. Oh, okay. Um, Greg Hildreth, who plays Peter, his sister was getting married, and so that was – a uh, he had a contractual day where he was – uh, out of the show so i we had a full put in with all oh, the other, other studies and some of the regular cast uh it was still like being shut out of a cannon and when you see our <laughs> production you'll know what i mean uh, right it's, uh it's 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 hard to replicate even in rehearsal i mean it's it, they, our, our show our producers our stage managers all the leadership involved they do an incredible job of preparing us as best they can but once that train starts going, you just got to get on it and go. And um, the interesting thing about, I've said this to my friends and colleagues at company, the interesting thing is like, it's when you get to do a couple in a row that you're like, oh, I understand how this, how this very organic machine works. Uh, there's a, it's hard to describe if you haven't seen it, but there's a physicality and a specificity to like spatial relationships that happens in our show that you mm. just got to do and do a couple times to know what it is. Um, and, you know, we also have there's lots of different body types, like we're different sizes than some of the people we cover. And so there's sure. um, uh, things that you have to, uh, um, for which you have to be cognizant of. And, uh, but it was great. It was great. And then I, you know, as you said, I've, I've been on for Larry uh, um, a few times as well. Oh my God! No, talk to me about this Good Morning America day where you found out that you were. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> um, well, the interesting thing we we had. I'll start by saying, I want to start by giving a compliment to our producers. Okay. Um, you know, the, the entire industry is dealing with COVID nineteen and how to keep the curtain up uh, during uh, this latest surge with the Omicron variant, and our producers have gone are above and beyond CDC uh, guidelines. We get PCR tested every day. Oh, wow. um, they've hired a private lab where the, the, a courier comes and picks up the results. We, we self-swab at the theater. And then they, uh, they test 
it at the lab and we get the results before we come back to work. So that and they and that I forget what the, the, the jargon is, but whatever testing uh, uh, implements they use, it can detect the virus at a low level before it's transmissible, uh-huh. ideally. Uh, so that's why we've only lost one performance to COVID-19. And that was because we had two crew members test positive. And our show just is that we have a lot of automation. It wasn't safe enough to do with uh, with people who were subbing in who were great until they actually learned um, right. uh, their tracks uh, backstage. Um, but so what happened was, thankfully, these ended up being false positives. But the cast went, the, the regularly performing cast got up super early. If you've ever done one of those morning shows, you got to get up really early and go to the theater and then walk over to, to the Midtown uh, uh, Times Square uh, to perform. Right. And apparently they, they'd already rehearsed, they'd gone to a Good Morning American, rehearsed, came back and they got the results and one was positive. Uh, again, a false positive, but two other castmates uh, were not in, two other standbys had also gotten false positives. So it was a whole oh thing God. that day. Um, I normally, I never have my phone on ring. Like it's always on silent or vibrate. Sure. And my, I don't know how, but <sighs> at 6.30 in the morning, no. a little, maybe a little before, my phone buzzed and I somehow heard it. And I saw my stage manager's name. <laughs> and I, can I curse on here? Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, I went, I just went. Oh fuck! Um, <laughs> and I because I, I knew I didn't know what exactly it was, but I knew it was something that was going to be uh, abnormal. And yeah. they explained to me that there had been a, a positive test. And said, oh, wow. how soon could you get to um, the theater for uh, Good Morning America? Uh, and <laughs> I was like, Well, do I have time to shower? He said, Yeah, yeah. And so I took the fastest shower of my life. Uh, they offered to get me a car, but I said, no, it'd be faster for me to jump in an Uber while I'm out here. Um, I did that and was, uh, thankfully in this day and age, we have, uh, archival, uh, uh videos of the show. Right. So I was able to, um, look at, cause I had not, obviously it's one of the parts that I cover, uh, but I had been focusing, I've learned Peter first. I've been working on Harry. And I learned, you know, two years ago, I knew Larry, um, uh, yeah. I knew what the, but it's been two years. And so I ostensibly knew it, but so it was just me looking at the video going, okay, he moves here. And if you saw it, we only did the second half of the opening number of company. There's a whole other thing. Yeah. It's all, if you see anything, you know, you're moving around in this very tiny box around lots of bodies, <laughs> very close. And, um, there's, you know, everyone's got a different Bobby, Bobby, honey, Bobby, baby. And that's oh, the yeah. thing that's in your head going, what? Which one is this? Um, right. But uh, so I'm just in the back of an Uber looking at it going, okay, uh-huh, uh-huh, and it's this. And I say this, and then I move here. We get there, and we have uh, incredible stage management. I had to get there and get tested right away, a rapid right. test. We started, thankfully, that came back negative. We started just teaching me, make sure I knew where I was going. Um, they put me in a costume, and we had makeup since it was television, and we walked over. So by the, from the time... I answered the phone at 6.30. Two hours later, I was on national television. Two hours later. Oh, my God. No, like, yeah. not really a real rehearsal for the number either. No, I mean, I will say, uh, you know, I will say that our, our we had our, our associate choreographer, um, uh, Ricky Hines, was there. He was incredible. Um, and uh, it, it, it was, I mean, they prepared me as, as 
best as they possibly could. And, you know, the rest was on me. It was on me doing right. my homework. And thankfully, I'd done my homework. Oh, um, but so I didn't even think about the fact that, like, I was on TV. I was, I mean, meaning I wasn't nervous. I was just like, I want to do the right thing. Right. Um, uh, move in the right space and set, sing the right uh, words and notes. Um, yeah. But uh, it was pretty crazy. And then, you know, I, I went on that night. And then, thankfully, those three false positives were found to be um, exactly what they were, false. And so uh, those, those three folks came back to the show um, the next day. But wow. it was pretty nuts. Now, is that, like, possibly one of your craziest, like, swing-on stories? Um, it's up there. I mean, <laughs> I, think the, I think the... The craziest one, or the one that felt like, I can't believe this is actually happening, is uh, I was a standby in the revival of Falsettos in 2016, and I covered all three um, male roles, and I learned, if you know the show, I had learned, been asked to learn Marvin first, okay, um, which was played by Christian Borrell, so I did that, Um, but I should also say for for your listeners... um, we we were not uh, at Lincoln Center, and this is people have done this all the time, and this is something that needs to change in the industry. I don't blame Lincoln Center; they're amazing, but we were not put on contract as standbys until two days before tech began. Oh, so we were not part of the rehearsal process. I will say, I asked to go to rehearsal because I knew how much work there would be. Uh, so I went to rehearsal, uh, and they allowed me to do it. I observed for free for three weeks. Wow. I went to rehearsal for free for three weeks. I don't, I don't recommend oh it. <laughs> and I yeah. think that there should be change. There should be changes with our union to that, that the full company needs to start. Everyone needs to start the first yeah. day um, so that we're all as prepared as possible. But, you know, I've, I've talked about this uh, a lot uh, over the years. So much of what we do is if, if you choose to be an understudy or a swing or a standby, so much of the work that we do, the preparation, is not in rehearsal. It's mm-hmm. when rehearsal ends, you go home, you lock yourself in your house or your apartment, and you go over the lines. And, the, and if it's a musical, the lyrics and, 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 and the, uh, the music and uh, your blocking and your choreography. And it's the hours outside of uh, 10 to 6 rehearsal where you actually really learn um, and, and put your nose to the grindstone. So I did that. Like I, thankfully I'd done that. I, um, with the second part I was asked to cover, which was Mendel played by Brandon Uranowitz. Mm-hmm. We were in our second week. I believe we'd done six previews, maybe seven. We were in our second week. Brandon was feeling a little, uh, something like in his throat. So he was at the doctor. And so we, we were, you know, if, if, if you're in previews, um, for those of you, your listeners that might not know, when you're in previews for a show, you're rehearsing during the day and then performing at night. You make little changes. And we were rehearsing, and they were saying, he's going to be fine. I stepped in for a couple of lighting things. Um, and they said, actually, can you come back a little early to show Brandon what we did? And we had an 8 o'clock show, so we had to end rehearsal at 5.30, enough time for people to have dinner before half hour. Right. And at 5.45... I got a I, I got a, I got a call or text from Brandon saying, "Will you kill me if I call out?" And then at five forty eight, 
I got a call from my stage manager saying, hey, you're on. And so I was literally getting dinner. I turned around, walked back to the theater. If you, if you saw falsettos or you've seen it on a live from Lincoln Center video, we did everything. Like, like right. the, 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 the cast, like it's a sung to musical, but we made the set. It was this thing where it was sort of like David Rockwell designed this incredible set, sort of about all this yoga block material, but it, you would make doorways and chairs and tables and things. So there's a whole other element to not other than learning the material. Uh, and I got back there and we started rehearsing. I had no costumes. What? Uh, yeah, they, they, they had not had time. And I'm much bigger than Brandon too. Right. Um, uh, I had no costumes, so they went and got those. They went, they went to a store and bought some. No uh, way. They put me in a, um, for some reason they decided because my hair is kind of straight and wavy and Brandon's really curly. He's got this incredible curly hair. They said they put me in a wig. Um, and, uh, and then I Did went on. Did you like not eat? No, I didn't eat. You didn't I, eat? I didn't oh eat. my God. No. Yeah. No. I'm like, and that, that's to... the, cra- that's the craziest thing. And, and I will say like on stage, there's a number called, um, everyone hates his parents in act two, where mm-hmm. Mendel, the psychiatrist is talking to the character of Jason, who is played by the amazing Anthony Rosenthal about, um, who's having some issues with his parents as they're preparing his bar mitzvah. And I'll say again that I hadn't had costumes, so they did the best they could, you know, and there's, there was this bit of choreography at the end where we would I'd jump off of one of the yoga blocks. We do like a barrel roll together and then I'd grab Anthony, who was much smaller then, cause this was, this was uh, five, five, five and a half years ago. And I'd flip him over and then we would shake hands. And I remember like doing the barrel roll and going, something's wrong. And I flip Anthony over and right as I shake hands and I'll point out he was a 13 year old kid at the time, my pants fell to my ankles. No way. Downstage center on zero with a spotlight on. <laughs> um, <laughs> this but is I had no time. Performance oh, yeah. on. Oh, yeah. oh my God. No way. But I had no time. I had no time to think about it. I, I, Cause I had to I, like, it was end of the My pants fell down. Uh, there was a blackout, but I had to take Anthony's hand, <laughs> make sure he got off stage, and I had a quick change. And I was just like, I just remember sort of muttering, my pants just fell down on Broadway. My pants fell down on Broadway. But uh, there's no time to think about it, you know? Right. Um, oh, and, that's, I, and I think that's the other thing. That's the other thing that you you have to um, you have to give yourself, uh, if, if you're in, uh, in a position where you're covering um, – any in, in any uh, facet of, of 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 putting together a show, whether it's backstage, a dresser, a musician, an onstage understudy, or swing or standby, you have to give yourself some grace mm. and know that you don't get to do it every night. So you're going to make mistakes, whatever that means. Um, and you got to have a very short memory. Yeah, because you got to keep moving on. Um, and so I was like, and that wasn't. I, I mean, my pants falling down wasn't a mistake on anyone's part. It just happened. It was funny. But um, right. I've made plenty of I mean, mistakes. And like the, the great thing about ten minutes ago, <laughs> yeah, right. But the great thing about theater is, if you feel like you've said the wrong line or done the wrong bit of blocking, uh, um, you get another. Hopefully, get another show to make up for it. You know, you can always mm-hmm. course correct. Um, so that's probably the craziest thing. But the GMA thing was was up there. Oh my god, that's just brilliant. Yeah. I can't believe yeah. any of it. I mean, just getting costumes like an hour before curtain. Did you have to do a wig fitting for your wig? Like, 
Okay. No, they just they were like try this on. They pinned it in. I mean, that that thing was not coming off because I must have had like forty pins in my head. Um, <laughs> I love it. Hey, it's amazing. You gotta love no. live theater. Uh, yes, absolutely. There's nothing like it. <laughs> Seriously, um, I want to go back to to company and honestly, like you could touch on any of the shows that you've been in, like what is the most difficult thing as far as like tracks and differentiating it is, is concerned. Like, I feel like the harmony, especially for singing Sondheim, uh, you have mm-hmm. to remember the harmonies and like you said, which Bobby to say, like, is yeah. that, is, 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 do you have the same harmony just because of your voice? No, no. Yeah, no, they're, they're different. Like I have to know. So I cover four parts. I have to know. There's a couple of the parts I cover are on the same harmony. Um, okay. And a couple of shows. So I probably have to know three harmonies, harmonies when we're singing as a group in the, in the group numbers uh, in a couple. But then I have to know, you know, they're like I cover two, two of the men I cover sing and sorry, grateful. So mm-hmm. I have to know, but there's, that's not that difficult. But like in the song, Poor Baby, I have to know three different parts, three different harmonies. Uh, in in not getting married today, we're all singing off stage and then pop on. So that's in those three different harmonies um, there. And but the I think the hardest thing in company are and now it's easier because I've no, I've done it so much. You know I've, I've drilled it sure. so much. And you, once you once you know one, you start to go all right. Then that's not that one, but that's the only. But you could sort of go this person sings this, so I sing this now. But that hardest one is the Bobby babies, Bobby honeys, because there's no. At first glance, anyway, there's no rhyme or reason why one character is saying something. Mm. Uh, but for instance, like I think Peter sings Bobby Honey and What Have You Been Up To, Honey? So he says, Honey, that's part of his vocabulary. And you're like, sure. okay, he says that. Um, Harry has a lot of long lines in the opening numbers, so that makes sense. Larry's track right. is very sparse. Mm-hmm. And uh, PJ is one of the boyfriends. Doesn't come on until uh, the second half of the, of the song, but it's, it's still like going. I remember going on for. I went on for Peter the other day just because with this COVID testing, uh, we didn't uh, get. Sometimes the lab takes too long, and we didn't get uh, Greg Hilder just. PCR test results back in time, so they could, couldn't safely put him on without his results. Uh-huh. I got, you know, I was already at the theater, but they called me at twelve fifteen, said you're on for the matinee, uh, and I was uh-huh. like, oh, okay. Um, and uh, so I did that, um, and but I'd been working on Harry, and I believe I'd gone on for Larry the previous week, so I was like, okay, wait, which one do I sing now? You know, <laughs> you, you, like you're saying, there's the one that you're like, I'm supposed to sing this. But in the back of your head, there's three other guys going, no, no, sing me, sing me. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the, I think that's the hardest part. But it's just, it, certainly with this um, show, the challenge is, or, or I think what I know that I'll have to do is anytime I'm on, unless it's for like a full vacation or, you know, I did, a, I think I did like six shows in a row for Larry recently. And that, so it started to go like, okay, I don't have to review it as much, but I'm going to have to review every time you sing this, this is where you go, this is where you enter uh, in the group numbers. Um, And it's just, um, it's part of the job. Yeah. Um, And it takes, like I said, you got to give yourself grace. You have to be a hard worker. um, And, um, 
and having the facility to, I guess it's, people think of it differently, find yourself, parts of yourself mm-hmm. in these characters or find parts of those characters in right. yourself, however you think about it. They're all very different and I'm never going to, I mean, you got to do the blocking, uh, but I'm never going to be, nor would I want to replicate the, the uniqueness and specificity of Christopher Sieber's Harry, Terrence Archie's Larry, Bobby Conti's PJ, or Greg Hilder's Peter. I have to find, I must find my own version. That's the only way that it, that will feel truthful. So that's, I think, part of the, uh, there are people that are really good at mimicking per- performances, like hewing very closely, but that's not my style. Um, yeah. Uh, people, you know, people, the way people articulate their sense of humor is differently. Um, so it's just got to, uh, you know, you got to find your way into it that, that works for you and works within the vision of the show, too. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the cool things about being a swing, though, too, is like, you know, because even for like the people that do do it every night, like it makes it different and it brings a new person to it. Like I, okay, Christopher Sieber's not on tonight. I want Tally's story, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't want to see, yeah. I don't want to see Tally session doing Christopher Sieber, you know, right. Like, it, it's more of just like, I want to see him doing Larry or his story or wherever right. it may be. Um, so I think that's a cool, and I think that's a great point of view to have. And I think that's what makes you like so special, you know, when you do perform and obviously why you keep working. <laughs> um, well, I remember, I mean, I remember, uh, when I went on for falsettos the first time, James Lapine, you know, came to me and he said, just don't feel like you have to do Brandon because Brandon's performance right. was so special, so idiosyncratic, so wonderful, so Brandon. And there was, like I said, there's a side differential. There's a, my voice is much different than his, just the way I carry myself. And I was like, yeah, no, I can't do Brandon, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff he does that I can steal, you know? Right. Um, like, and, and that's true. I was like, it's this thing. I remember he did, did this thing, he improvised this thing. It was so funny. And I was like, I'm just going to steal it because it works. Um, right. And that's okay. I mean, that's, that's how you learn. Um, Absolutely. And, uh, but yeah, I think not having the pressure of, of tr- trying to create this carbon copy of a performance. Now, I, I think that there are probably productions where people do ask you to do that, you know, sadly. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, but I, that's been very rare in my experience. It's certainly not the case at company. Um, right. And I don't, I don't think it's been the case at any show at which I've been an understudy. And I've been an understudy in all in every Broadway show I've done. So 
um, yeah, I've never been asked to perform like someone. Right. And that's awesome. That's really great. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, you talked about, you know, learning from Brandon and learning from all these people, but you learned from incredible people that you've worked with. Patty Lapone, uh, mm-hmm. Borrell, I mean, Alex Brightman, all these like Norbert Leo Butts, Andrew Reynolds, um, like, what is it like to go to work and and learn from those people? Because like you're obviously not going to get that same like education if you go to school for it or if you go uh, if you like take a class or something. Like being in it, I feel is the best way to learn. Do you agree? I think it's a combination. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that um, I think that study is very important. Right. What the people that you just mentioned, uh, Christian, Andrew, Patty, Alex, Norbert and dozens of other people with whom I've worked, um, what makes them successful is they are, through the prism of the characters they play, they're always themselves, meaning they're not trying to play at something. Uh, again, they find that version of that character in them. Uh, right. How do they ar- articulate their sensibilities through that? Um, the other thing is the reason that those folks are so successful and in Patty's case, you know, an actual legend, you know, <laughs> she's older than, than those gentlemen. Um, right. What you find, you know, once I, uh, this is my second show working with Patty. And in both cases, I've been an understudy, an offstage understudy who's gone on opposite her. Mm. And you got, hey, you got to get that stuff out of your head. You, you got to get over very quickly that you're acting opposite Patty Lapone. You just got to get right. over it. I mean, um, you know, you, you have imagine. to, you have to, because you have to play the scene. Right. Like what, what does the character want and what's in their way? That's it. Um, yes. And I also, that's sort of my advice to people that get nervous uh, before they go on is like, you just got to think about the stuff you could control. What do you want? How are you going to get it? I mean, that's what, what it, in terms of the character and that will ground you because it, it forces you to put emphasis Stop watching yourself and watch the other people and actually listen. Um, right. And the thing that's so great about those folks that you mentioned and act, act, great actors in general is that when they listen, you know, because when you listen, when you truly open yourself up to experiencing something else, something outside of yourself, then that's that's what sets you up to be surprised and respond authentically. And they just, uh, you know, I mean, uh, Patty doesn't have an inauthentic bone in her body. Um, right. And I think the same is true of, of all those gents uh, who are all pals of mine um, and so many people I've, with whom I've worked. Um, the thing that the best thing about being an actor, and I, you know, I think a lot of young actors, I hate to say, I don't want to say make the mistake, but they might might have been led down a path that's not as useful. And that's to like, try to be like someone else, you know, try to, uh, to behave as an actor, like another performance or performer whom they revere. And I, I teach uh, as well. And the thing that I say is the best thing about being an actor is like, like what, Eli, what's the, what's the part that you would love to play or that you have played? That I would love to play. Um, yeah. Let me think. Um, I mean, I feel like it's it's kind of cheesy to say like Evan and Dearvin Hanson, but you know, I'd actually like to play Connor. I feel like that would be like kind of like Great. a challenging role. But you know, and you know the 
the most amazing thing is no matter who has played Connor before, is that the part that Mike Fife played? Yes. Yeah, no matter whether it's Mike or anyone else, no one on this earth is ever going to be able to play Connor the way that you would play Connor because no one else can be you. And that's the things that Patty and Alex and Christian Andrew, Norbert, you know, so many people, uh, Mary Testa, like, like they own mm. who they are and they're not trying to be anyone else. Yes, they're playing a character um, uh, and, you know, they can disappear in that, but they're not trying to mimic another person. Um, we have to own our own our specialness. And I think that that's one of the things that I've learned. And the other thing is, is just sort of a human thing is be kind. You know, mm. be kind. It's, that's, that's a very important. You, you, you can, there are two things you can control uh, as an actor, whether you're auditioning or at work, and that is your work ethic and your attitude. Those mm. are the only things you can control. You can control how hard you work to study and learn this thing, and you can control how kind you are. And if you work hard and you're kind, a lot of things, a lot of doors will be open for you. Tally, I just have to say, like, just talking to you is like exactly what I like. I We had never met and I felt like I already know you, uh, but it's exactly what you like live by. I mean, following you on social media is like one of my favorite things because just oh, your positiveness, you. your attitude towards, you know, circumstances and everything. Um, I, it, it's brilliant. And I actually want to talk a little bit more about that. You, sure. I feel like you're always like supporting a cause or participating in challenges, doing push-ups, you know. Um, and you also <laughs> do like fun things where you bring entertainment and you do lives with uh, David Josephbergs and you do sessions with Josephbergs and uh, uh -huh. you do like songs and everything. Like, is that kind of just like something that you just enjoy that you just want to bring joy to other people? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, do I enjoy it? Absolutely. Um, I also think that, um, it, I mean, it, it's, listen, I, I don't know if this is magnanimous, uh, but I, it makes me feel good right, to make other people feel good. Mm-hmm. And there's, that's probably, there's probably some sort of, some selfishness in that, but I don't care because it's better than making people feel badly about themselves. Uh, right. So yeah, I get, a, I get a lot of joy out of, uh, out of making people laugh and, and entertaining them. Um, uh, I get a lot of joy out of being around my friends and being, you know, moved and inspired and, 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 and by them and finding them hilarious like David. Um, yeah. And, um, and in terms of things that, you know, sort of like spotlighting the causes that I think are important. I mean, those are all personal. Um, you know, a little over six months ago, I lost my mom to lung cancer. So it's important to me. I mean, people probably look at my social media sometimes, but like certainly my stories are like, God, why is this guy still doing fucking push-ups? Jesus. And it's just like, I just tagged the American Cancer Society. And I start to get wary of like asking people to donate too much because right. you know, people don't have a lot of money. Um, but even if I just tag them and say, like, my thing is like, I'm doing this because people that are fighting cancer right now or God forbid have passed from cancer, they can't, you know, and if it's, right. and if it raises $1 towards treatment or a cure or therapies, then that's $1 that wasn't there before. Uh, and then I, I just think it's, you know, part of uh, the mission that David and I have with our, uh, with our show is to um, highlight um, worthy causes or individuals, or organizations, and, and, and to also, sort of 
destigmatize things. Like we had, you know, Patty Mira right. is a very good friend of mine, and we had uh, we had her on to talk about mental health uh, awareness and 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 what her uh, what her life has been like since she's been more open about her mental health. Um, uh, I guess she would say dealing with her her her, her mental health struggles. Um, the stuff that you sort of have to like um, demystify, you know, and, and talk about. And some things are difficult to talk about. I mean, we we had Nick Walker uh, on to talk about um, what it's like to be a black man in this industry, and as things are changing, we talked. Uh, we we had Diane Phelan and and Ray Lee to talk about this terrible, terrible, terrible increase in violence against Asian Americans in the last several months and how we can help uh, the advocates and um, supporters. Yeah. Um, it's just important to talk about that stuff. And listen, I'm as guilty of this as, as everyone. We're, we, are, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. And we certainly like the, the, when it began nearly two years ago, a lot of people's mental health suffered. A lot of people uh, went, through, went through and are still going through depression. Um, all, I get this idea of like wanting to just pull the covers over your head. Um, right. But I guess my thinking is, you know, as long as I have the gift of life, I want to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And I want to bring joy to others if I can, if they find me enjoyable. And, um, and in terms of, you know, I, I, I like making people laugh and, uh, and I do, and I love performing. I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong, you know, social media, there are a lot of evils about social media, um, Absolutely. but, but if, but if you can use it for, for some good, um, uh, why wouldn't you? And like, if, if you're someone that like, you like to perform, whether it's, you like to do Shakespeare sonnets or play guitar or you know, your dance reel or sing, yeah. do it, you know? And the great thing is you don't have to be an apologist about that. It's your page, however you're doing, whether it's TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, whatever you do. And if people don't like it, they don't have to follow you. Right. You know, no one's, no one's forcing anyone. They're like, oh God, I've got to watch this guy do another hundred pushups a day. I was like, you don't have to. Right, right. Um, I You can't be more bored of watching them than I am of doing them. <laughs> um, <laughs> But, but, uh, but there's a lot of, I I think it's important to cultivate happiness in our lives. You know, I really do. I really do. There's a lot of stuff that's taking our focus away. Um, and, and, and you, people could be miserable and there are a lot of important things to talk about, but if you can find a little bit of joy in your day, I say do that. And if you can help others, if you have the means, even if it's just a kind word, do it. Yeah, and honestly, like, even if, like, that's too much, like, just educate yourself, you know, like, learn these things and talk about, like, that is one thing, there's not many positives throughout the pandemic, but there is, like, I feel like one of the positives that came through this whole pandemic is that people are willing to talk a little bit more, and they're willing to have those conversations, and they're willing to try and understand other people's point of views, because I think everyone, like, everyone was struggling at one point. And so- yeah. And there's a lot of, that's, that's absolutely right, Eli. And I, I think there's, you know, there's a lot of call for activism yes. and uh, in, from, from in many ways, certainly in our industry as well. And people's activism takes many forms. Not everyone is great at speaking in front of crowds. Not everyone has the means to donate 
funds, but some people can write letters. Right. Some people can um, be more singular and, and specific in their reaching out and they can reach out to someone and say, hey, how can I help? It doesn't right. have to be uh, wide ranging. Um, we, we get to this thing where like people are like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And just because, because it's not on social media, because people aren't saying, hey, I donated this and I did that. Uh, there's this idea that you're not a participant in trying to make the world a better place. And that's one of the evils of social media, that if it's not documented, somehow it's not true. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Right. Absolutely. And the other thing too, like, if you can't donate, you know, like share it with your friends and your family, because there may be someone yeah. that, that can do that, you know? And so like, yeah. there's not, it's not like you're completely helpless, you know, if you feel that no. way. And it's also okay if you just don't feel like you can deal with anything too. Like if you need to prioritize your self-care, uh, something right. that, is, oh, that, is, that is okay because you, as far as I know, you only have this one life, you know, and, yes. and if you're feeling like the need to like work on your own mental health and that you don't have the space for it, that's okay. There are other people that can take up that, uh, take up those causes um, and, and will. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, like everything that you've done, your story with your mom, you, what you and David did, especially during the time with like Nick Cordero and everything like that, like it was all like you made a difficult kind of event, a positive and you brought light to it. Um, and, and honestly, like it, to it in a time that everybody needed it most. And so for that, like, I truly thank you. And uh, on behalf oh, of thank a lot you. That's of people, very nice. Yeah, and on behalf of a lot of people in the industry, because I know a lot of people were following you and trying to support in any way that they can. Um, but seriously, I appreciate all you do. And you are one of the people that actually use social media for good. And for that, I recommend everyone here to follow Tally. No, thank you. Handle while we're at it. Uh, at Tally Sessions, T-A-L-L-Y-S-E-S-S-I-O-N-S. Yes, and I promise you, you will not regret it. Um, Tally, this has been amazing. I've taken up enough of your time and I know you have to go to run to the theater for a rehearsal. So you are the best. I appreciate this conversation and I know a lot of people will too. So thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. Take a bow, Tally Sessions. And there you have it, folks. I mean, Tally, I don't know. I, I can't even thank him enough for coming on here. Um, I think that uh, you, you could hear the in incredible admir admiration that uh, I had uh, as someone in the industry of what he has done for the industry and what he does currently in the industry and what he does outside of the work environment, what he does on a personal level. Um, he's truly an inspiration and a, a wonderful follow for anyone who it, enjoys following Broadway performers and anything like that. He is the person to follow, I promise. Um, it's awesome to talk to him about swing and swing life. Um, it's it's just so fun and it, it's just incredible what they have to do and what they have to uh, learn and kind of train their minds to 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 do and and kind of uh, behave in in a way. Um, it's incredible. So uh, shout out to all these swings. This episode was not just for tally sessions. This episode was for all the swings on and to celebrate national swing day um i'm so i'm so honored to have gotten a swing on and a swing of his caliber he's one of the most uh 
most well-known and and well-beloved uh, swings and understudies on Broadway. So uh, I'm very happy to have had this episode with him. It's such a, a meaningful time for, for Swing Nation. And uh, if uh, you guys, you have to, and if you have not yet, please go see Company. I, I, am, I am talking as someone who is telling himself the same thing. So um, I, I'm getting to Company. Maybe I'll see you all there. Uh, hopefully, we all go see Company and we go support this show. This show is awesome and what they've been doing. Uh, they got their, their own lab for COVID. That's insane. Um, so... Yeah, what they're doing is just go support them, and they're doing all the right things. They're making everybody feel safe, cast, company, stage, crew, uh, audience members, uh, everyone, musicians. So uh, props to them. Hopefully uh, people will hear this episode and uh, be like, oh, well, maybe we should do this for our show or whatever, uh, even if it's not in New York, uh, even if it's like a not-for-profit in Louisiana. I don't know. Um, let's just hope that uh, people can learn from this episode, uh, including audience members, including uh, people that are running shows and everything. So I think this was just a great episode for everyone. And so I, I'm really excited to, to share this one with you. I thought this was awesome. So once again, thank you, Tally Sessions, for coming on and sharing all those incredible stories and giving so many uh, tips for uh, performers and everyone in between. So with that being said, I think we should do a drama dictionary before I leave because I definitely wanted to do one before, but it was just such a long intro. I just wanted to get you to listen to Tally because he had so many wonderful things to say. Um, we're going to do this week's drama dictionary. Word of the week is going to be... Curtain call. So um, at the end of the show, the the show blacks out, and there's a big blackout, and you can't see anything, literally. I've been on the stage during a blackout. You can't see a thing, and I know the audience can't either. That is the point of it. Um, and then all of a sudden, the cast and all the performers be- come onto the stage again, and they're like, oh, here I am, and we do our bows, and then we do a little ditty, and then we do another bow as a company, and then we do another little ditty, and then we do a final bow. So it's just a way of the audience to say thank you for performing and telling the story and everything like that, but it's also a way for actors to acknowledge the audiences um, and to kind of say a thank you to them as well. A lot of people like to wave afterwards. They like to say thank you and mouth it and do something with their hands, and they like to blow kisses or whatever it may be uh to show their gratitude uh of them uh, of you guys the audience members um coming to see them and support their work um so it's a great it's a great little exchange uh that's what the curtain call is it happens at the end of the show and it's right before everybody leaves it happens in every show whether it's a musical it's a play um whatever it may be there's always a curtain call and um it, it's kind of a beautiful thing when you really think about it and uh, it's just that time where the uh cast members and all the performers can kind of break their character and they can become themselves again and interact with the audience as themselves and it's a really beautiful thing um so that is what a curtain call is and that is all i have for you all for this week of take a bow um thank you all for listening thank you all for supporting this podcast um if you want to support this podcast further uh follow us on instagram on tiktok uh, you can check us out on Patreon, uh, and you can subscribe on podcast, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and whatever you may be listening to this on. Um, that is free of charge, the, the subscription on the podcast platforms. Um, and so is the followers on uh, Instagram and TikTok. Patreon, 
that's up to you. Um, and go check out some our website, merchandise, and everything in between. Um, we have some exciting things coming out. We're approaching uh, our 100th episode, so stay tuned for um, some great, great stuff coming along the way, and it's going to be really special, so I cannot wait for it. So with that being said, I'll see you all next week. Have a great week, everybody. For this episode's Curtain Call, I would like to recognize a few people who also deserve to take a bow. This podcast would not be possible without the help from Dory Berenstein, Brittany Bigelow, Katie Rosen, Alan Seals, and the team at the Broadway Podcast Network. Next in line to take a bow is Tessie Tokash, who edits the audio and all the visuals for this podcast. A special thanks to patrons Brian Thompson, Pat McNamara, the listeners at PCC, as well as all of the other patrons for their continued support. If you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com TAB. And if you enjoyed this week's episode, don't forget to subscribe on the platform that you're currently listening to this on. Also, feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at TakeAboutPodcast. TakeAbout's logo is designed by Giselle Bustos, and the music is by Nikki Torsha and Cormac Collinon. Bye, everyone. Hope to see you next week. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.